The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Oh, fellas, come on in. It's a stick up. Check it out, y'all. Welcome back to the Houseless Podcast. My name is Peter Agassin. I'm the host, producer of the show. What a special show we have for you. We've hit episode 40. Yes, it's episode 40. What a way to kick off the 4th of July weekend. I got something very special for you that I can't wait to share. And um, I also have some very special announcements, too. First, I want to get this out of the way and let you guys know. The Houseless now, as of this episode... Every previous episode of the Houseless Podcast is available on YouTube. Go to YouTube right now and search the Houseless Podcast. All one word, all together, no spaces in between it. The Houseless Podcast. And the videos will appear. I need to get 100 subscribers on this page before I can get a signature URL. So if you can, if you listen to uh, podcasts on YouTube or if you have a friend or a family member even... um, that listens to just stuff on YouTube. I got a cousin that lives in Budapest, Hungary. He only listens to stuff on YouTube. He doesn't mess with iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or Google Play. All the other places the Houseless Podcasts are available. And I appreciate all y'all who tune in and listen that way. Keep doing that. So I wanted to find out another medium to get everything to you guys. And of course, YouTube is a very accessible one for all. So go there. And you can tune into all the previous episodes. I'm talking about my conversation with Just Dice, with Dame Funk, Gary Wilson, even Stetsasonic drummer Bobby Simmons, who shares the group with my guest, none other than Prince Paul. My guest today, the one and only devastating Prince Paul in the house today, and not just Paul by himself. His son came through. Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised to see him, DJP for real. Uh, they came through to my crib in Brooklyn, and we had an awesome conversation. Lots of laughs, lots of memories, and we talked about 
a ton of stuff that I can't wait to share for you. And um, Paul and I actually have a big project I wanted to announce and debut pretty much with this episode of The House List. Since it's such a special one, episode 40, kicking off 4th of July weekend, if you're traveling, you know, this, you know, when you're at the party, spread the word, do a little word of mouth for me, both for the podcast, but for the special announcement also I'm about to make. So a lot of you guys know, I used to have a record label, uh, for a while and did a lot of really great records. MF Doom, Sadat X, Geology, who was also on the podcast, the previous episode, DJ Spinna, Jay Rawls. Raw Produce, a lot of great records in the early 2000s. And one, and one of my favorite ones that I did, was a double album from Prince Paul called It's True Mental that came out in 2005. And I've been feeling kind of nostalgic, and me and Paul sort of uh, reconnected in a way, and we were talking, and we got to talking more and more about this project, which has long since been out of print you can't find it you go to discogs it's, it's super expensive on discogs so now for the first time in over 10 years probably yeah i mean since 2005 and the distributor that I worked with then they went under so it never got reissued or repressed until now so i'm resurrecting female fun records to do a special reissue of it's true mental the principal album which I think is a masterpiece, a conceptual masterpiece that took uh, productions all over the course of his career, utilizing different drum machines and samplers, tying it in with this very interesting and unique kind of concept. And we're putting it back out and the pre-order for this record should be available right now. As you listen to this podcast, if you go and click on redlinemusicdistribution.bigcartel.com, you should be able to find the pre-order link for the special limited edition double LP reissue of Prince Paul Instrumental. And for the very first time ever, we're doing a cassette of it too. Extremely limited tape of it too. Never never been put out on the tape. And uh, I'm excited. I think it's an incredible record. Uh, there's a lot of special guests on the, on the album. There's a lot of amazing uh, um compositions they're not just instrumentals it's not just loops and stuff like that it's it's like a full-on conceptual masterpiece instrumental which i originally put on 2005 available for pre-order right now i teamed up with redline distribution here in in the states uh and you can get a pre-order of it as we speak and and on through the summer and i'm telling you you should get it now while you can because i'm making 500 copies of the vinyl so it's not going to be around forever and there's some special treats with inside the record. And there's an exclusive song that wasn't on the original version called Indiscretion, which at the end of this episode, I'm going to play a little bit of a clip from that. So I wanted to let you guys know that I'm amped up about it. I'm excited. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a labor of love over here. You know what I'm saying? And by September, when that comes out, I'm working on a Prince Paul DJ tour right now in North America. Hit me up is going to be coming to a city, a venue near you. If you're interested in the tour, hit me up at peter at augustinagency.com because I'm working on it right now. It's almost done, too. So September, it's true mental. The re-release will be dropping. Get that pre-order now while supplies last because this is a one-time only pressing. And I'm telling you, you're going to want to get this. Just trust me, you're going to want to cop this while you can. So 
let's get into my conversation. Not just with the iconic producer, DJ, uh, amazing comedic mind of Prince Paul. I mean, it goes without saying, I shouldn't even have to tell you about his discography. Of course, De La Soul, Handsome Boy Modeling School, Grave Diggers. But even recently, he did an amazing uh, remix for Run the Jewels. He did another incredible remix for DJ Shadow. And um, he came through with his son, Paul, DJ P for real. And I hadn't seen him in a long time. And it brought back all these memories of when I used to work as the talent buyer at the Knitting Factory when I was on Leonard Street. And I've, I've talked about the Knitting Factory uh, multiple times on the show because uh, different uh, artists um, that I have, you know, conversed with, you know, we did shows back in the day. So uh, Prince Paul had done a few things and, and occasionally he would come to shows and he would bring his son who was young, I mean, probably 14 or 15 back then. And I remember they, they reminded me of this. I had almost totally forgotten about it. Um, I did a couple of shows, two nights of Jizza performing Liquid Swords back to back. Um, and this was kind of like one of the very earliest uh, incarnations of it because he did it with the band. This was just the raw beats, the DJ and uh, it was pretty amazing and of course they were both sold out and p for real prince paul's son paul uh jr um opened up i had him dj and open up and now uh he's blown up and it's amazing and uh many of you are probably already might already be familiar with him because he's uh uh the mega superstar little uzi verts tour dj so these guys are playing gigantic stadiums and arenas and huge uh, festivals and all that and it's just it's it's really cool for me because p for real one is a very cool person very down to earth and level-headed just like his pops and they have such a funny dynamic and it was like kind of took me back to when we would hang out at the club too and you can tell in our conversation because we uh are laughing a lot and we cover a lot of ground too we talk about DJing, we talk about the industry, we talk about a lot of Prince Paul's records and production and some of the inner workings of Instrumental too, which I wanted to uh, really kind of get into. So yeah, I was just bugging. It was it was great to see him. We had a really cool time and uh, I'm going to look forward to listening to this myself actually. So okay, without further ado, uh, I didn't want to talk too much, but to recap, uh, once again, Make sure you check out that YouTube page and hit that subscribe button if you can. Um, if you're on SoundCloud, you know, repost this if you hear it. That, that helps get the word out too. And make sure you pre-order that. It's Trumental Double LP tape. It's going to drop early September. Pre-order is up right now. Go to redlinemusicdistribution.bigcartel.com. That'll be the easiest way for right now for you to cop it and make sure you get a copy of it. So thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful July 4th. Be safe. Don't drink and drive. And let's check out this conversation with the one and only, the devastating Prince Paul and DJP for real, only here on the houses. All right, peace out. Check it out. That's his first show he DJ at. We was talking about that. It was. Which was? The Knitted Factory show. Uh, that, um, I remember you did one or two gigs there. Yeah. What, what, it was um, the show when Jizza came out. That's, the, the, right. that's when I opened up that, yep. Yeah. I was like, I was like the first like 
show show I did. Wow. Yeah, like like ever. <laughs> so so you popped it off for me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's it was it was it a, was it the actual Jizza show? Was he performing? Yeah, he was performing. Yeah. Yeah, I he remember was. that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't remember that you spun at that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what's up. Yeah, he, he did good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which amazed me. I was like, I was like, whoa! People are like, ah! <laughs> there's some drinks he threw up. I was like, whoa, whoa! This came too easy for him. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, because that. I mean, this must that must have been 2007 or something like that, or even yeah. maybe even a little earlier than that. Yeah, because yeah, you came to the club a little bit, and that was yeah. such. Uh, looking back now, I, I think about that sometimes. Is that era of uh, the Knitting Factory and in New York at that time too because it was sort of this weird sort of middle road before certain New York younger New York artists started popping off so it was just a couple years before Aesop Rocky and even obviously a little bit more before like Joey Badass and Action Bronson and stuff like that so it was yeah. this kind of middle road of like the 90s cats and some of the underground New York cats so we hit it at a very interesting time mm-hmm. But yeah, used to come through with yeah. with uh, Paul Senior in the yeah. mix. <laughs> actually, I set off that whole movement for me. Oh yeah, you Not actually were the very first one. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's intense. So yeah, I mean, I've just I've just been kind of peeping out your DJ thing just recently too in the last few months. But you've been kind of really building up a lot of momentum like this past year, right? Yeah, I've been I've been trying to you know try to step out do my own thing. And um, how are the solo gigs for you? Oh, great. You know, I DJ in Atlanta. So um, Oh, nice. Is that where you are you based there? Yeah, I live in Atlanta. Now. I have my house in Atlanta. So, um Very nice. Yeah, you know, I DJ all all the clubs and stuff and a little bit of radio here and there. I'm associated oh, nice. with radio and uh I work at the studio with drama and um Canon and you know, just trying to oh, stay Yeah, that's a good. Trying to stay active, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, doing the club work and the radio work is a great way to that's two very different kinds of DJs there yeah, yeah. too. Um, you didn't? Did you do radio at all? Like, did you start out in radio ever? Like, Long Island has that kind of a storied history in radio, right? Yeah, I didn't have like a, a full connect. Like, I visited like uh, studios. I mean, remember when um, Flavor Flav and Chuck D and Hank Shockley and Bill Stephanie had the WBAU in Long right. Island? I used to go there and visit them when I was a teenager. And it's funny, it, 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 you go back then, and all of a sudden, like. Wow, we we making records. <laughs> you know, you go yeah. there kind of just as like, yeah, you know, a fan. But I I never had like a, a connect like that to like a radio station. I used to get dissed. I remember I was in Set to Sonic, um, <laughs> and, and I and I'll, I and I'll you know I remember it's clearly happened to me twice. I mean, God rest his soul, Mister Magic. I remember going mm-hmm. all the way from Long Island to WBLS. I think. Was it BLS at the time, or it might be... Um, or KISS, or was it, B- it was WBLS? Yeah, it was either BLS or what was it, AWHBI, one of those stations. Right. So it might have been both, you know what I'm saying? Going up there, trekking up there at like at 12 at midnight, 1 in the morning, for him to go, all right, all you other guys, who did, got the human mix machine, got the rappers, DJ, you stay out here. <laughs> I'm like, really? Oh, I travel all the way <laughs> from Long Island. I got school the next day for me to kind of... Stay out there, and it happened once. And then the next time I told the group, they're like, "Come on, Paul, we do another Mr. Magic." It's like, "Nah, he's not going to let me in." Jesse, come on, man. Went down there. It is like, yo, history repeats itself again. Sat out there. I'm like, oh, I was just no. mad at myself. Dang. 
Mr. Magic just did not like me, man. Apparently, he wasn't feeling me. But I mean, you by that time too, this was like people. I mean, they knew you as your own DJ too, right? I mean, you had already been an established DJ in Long Island before joining the group, anyway, right? Um, I, I like to think so. Uh, you know, they sort of because you know I had Bobby Simmons. We did an episode, Bobby right. and I, and I know Bobby. You know, I was trying to get a sense of his perspective on Stetsasonic. Because everyone definitely, I would think everyone in the group has their own kind of story too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you get a bunch of different stories. Yeah. So I mean, they kind of. Uh, Daddyo was at a party. He saw you spinning at a party, basically, right? Is that? What yeah, yeah. It was a block party. This is actually before Bobby had joined because when uh, Daddyo approached me at the block party um, and seen me spin, I was like battling people and, and stuff, and I thought I was really. No, I was really good. I'm about to channel my inner LeVar Ball right now. <laughs> Yo, I was very good. And, um, you know, they came around to check me out. And at that time, you know, when they're like, Yo, we're looking for a DJ, it was Daddy-O, Delight. Wise had joined the week before. And they had um, a, another guy named, um, I think it was Grand Supreme. Was the other MC? Well, Fruquan wasn't down yet. Oh wow! I didn't so, know. I didn't realize yeah, there was another yeah. rapper originally. Yeah, DBC wasn't in the group yet. You know, so it, it was in the very, very early stages. So, yeah, I remember that. I so, how you must have been what sixteen or something? I was like in the tenth grade, going to eleventh. Wow! So not that much different from when you was spinning at the Nanny Factory, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. But he was way better than me. A hundred percent better. I wouldn't go there, but I say the, the differences between me and him as far as like being young and DJing, I started when I was ten. Like right. he, he probably got serious into it more in about that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Teens. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I won't reel too much. No, no, no. No, it's all good. About about people real. You know? Right, right. But his generation of how they do things is way different than my generation. Yeah, and that's that. all good. Yeah. That's why we, I think we always had like a little bit of conflict because, like I said, when you went to the you new guys. factory. Oh, not conflict, but like you went to the new factory and just kind of just first gig, like, ah! I was like, <laughs> There's no dues paid, you know. At least in my eras, like you got to carry stuff, you got to work your way up. Oh, for sure. Somebody punch you in the face, maybe get on DJ eventually. <laughs> as soon as his first thing was, ah, he didn't even hone his skills properly yet. <laughs> and, and, and what it was, it, it was indicative of the times now. Like you know, he he could put that show and then kind of take it and then advertise it. A thousand different ways, and right. yeah, I was here and buy the pictures and be like, "Oh, he's big time." Yeah, Where, large. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, no offense to him because he's a great DJ now, but it's almost yeah. like fake it till you make it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, man, I got this. I'm boom, 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 boom. So for me, I was like, this is like spoiling him. It's not teaching him the lessons I want to teach him as being not just a young man, but just as in the music industry, because it's everything that I preach against. It's like, these guys are just coming in there with no talent. Like, not that they had no talent. I would, and to again. start in front of a crowd, too, I mean, you, that, you have to kind of think on your feet really quick right. to be at least to be able to keep them you know, engaged and right. stuff. I mean, yeah, I rem- you held it down, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you locked it. But, like, but you know, you know what? I watched him a bunch of times, DJ, so it's kind of like, you right. know, not saying copying, so. but you know, it's like, you know, you learn from the best, you know. Yeah, for sure. Like, you right, develop you. your own style. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, exactly. He'll tell you, I, I would sit and, and explain to him. I took him to parties. I did this thing we talked about yesterday. Um, I went to France and I took him into this club 
He was all of probably like thirteen. Nice. He was supposed to be there. I, I said, "Yo, man, put on this this uh, this this jumpsuit, this sweatsuit, so I could try to make him look older." Got him in the club. Women to dance on the table. It was wild. It was wild. Everybody's drinking and, and bugging out. And I got my little son. I'm like, "Yo, just stand behind me." And every record I played, I explained to him, watch the reaction and watch what I do, and why. And this is why am I do, why I'm doing this. And so I explained him every single record, and nice. I think. That kind of was like the, a good starting point for him to kind of conceptualize how yeah, to sure. put music together. And you know what's yeah. crazy? That that party, every time I DJ, I think of the same exact thing. Like, really? Like, I know this song is going to work when I drop it at this point during this time of the song. Like, it, that, that was like a pop-off for me. Oh, for I don't me. doubt it. Yeah, yeah that's like, an invaluable lesson right there, it, too. Extremely. Yeah, I mean, to have that perspective, too, because, yeah, I mean, what do you play at the very beginning of the set as opposed mm -hmm. to in the middle and, like, you know, right when it's popping off and how mm -hmm. to, like, bring it back home again? Like, these are all, like, the fundamentals that, I mean, you learn you learn from a lot of trial and error back in the day, I'm sure, too. Yeah. Like, But there must have been someone who was, like, when you first started, there must have been someone uh, that you would look up to or that was at least around the way that oh. was um, the local... Dude, right? Yeah, when, when I first started, it, it was more breakbeats. You know, right. Like, like, you know, now, now you can rock rap records or whatever, so it was just like breaks, 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 breaks. So and just keeping them going, right? Yeah, as keeping far them as... going and having breaks nobody had and right. doing scratches nobody ever heard before and then tricks. And so it was a different animal. But, you know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, for me, it, it, you know, like, I mean, there's local people. Like, there was, like, uh, my friend who lived down the street. They had a crew called the Young Blood Crew. Nice, <laughs> classic. There was DJ um, Pleasure, DJ Pleasure Two, a guy named Danny who lived around <laughs> the way. Um, so I mean, you know, there was a, a lot of people, and I remember Bambada came into town, and I've I've not I went to see Zulu play, but for me, like so you would travel too around the city. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I shouldn't have been. Yeah, I was right. little, um, <laughs> and but I think. Like, the one person who really, like, grabbed me, because everybody was like, yo, Flash, Flash, and Theodore, was DJ uh, Jazzy J. Like, he nice. was just way ahead of his time. Him and DST, before Rocket, you know what I'm saying? Right. They were just way, technically, way ahead of their time. So, those are the guys I kind of gravitate towards, and I'd listen to tapes. So, what, back then, too, what would you call, like, technically ahead of its time, as far as that? Is it the way that they would transition records, or was it just the selection, too? Or That's a good like, question. I, th I think it was just being clean and skill right. level and scratches you never heard before right. you know it's like it's like whoa what is that and how did he do it you know if you could kind of in your in your head because a lot of times you'd have tapes and stuff you didn't see the hands physically do right. it you go okay that might do that now you, you gotta understand like nowadays there's so much involved in hearing music and so much you know that you could kind of oh he did this and did that but when it was so new and you, right. things are for the first 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 time you had to really sit and think and think and yeah. like how, how, how did he do that? And at what point did he cut it off? Yeah. Or, or before, I mean, even some of the greatest DJs could do it with no fader, too. I think Jam Master J was really great at yeah. doing shit with no fader at all. You know? Yeah, a lot of guys. scratch. Yeah, they were really skilled. And and, yeah. and for me, back in those days, the, the way to learn those scratches and then develop your own after that was just biting. You get a routine, right. you go just copy it. Scratch, 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 scratch. Right. And then you kind of just, you know, get into something else. Like, well, okay, that's what it is. So yeah, it was it was definitely different. Like I said, nothing against my son, but I'm proud. I'm proud of the fact that he did it. Like it, he amazes me every time I see him. It's like, how did you do that? <laughs> really? And, yeah. He, it, it's like he's like taking 
you know, he's seen hip hop in time he was a baby baby like you know i'm sure oh yeah. man like when i was doing um one of the daylight rex might have been daylight not daylight souls dead probably right before that he was a baby in my arms and i was like sampling stuff with daylight in the house and like you want to put the baby up I was like nah he's good <laughs> <laughs> he's good man and, you know he, he's seen people come by the house the wu-tang guy like he's been there for all that. what was like your earliest memories of that because um if there because a lot of stuff was recorded at your house too, right? Yeah, back yeah. in those days. Do you remember like any of that? Some of the, I mean, because obviously, you know, when you're like an infant, you're not going to remember pro- him programming <laughs> right, drums right. on. Uh... I mean, um, vaguely, you know, what I'm saying like it's. I remember I actually remember being in the studio a lot, you know, what I'm saying and seeing him working on a lot of different song, like songs that actually blew up and got big, and right. a lot of his albums, like the earlier albums, and um, uh, like I can't really pinpoint like. Exactly like the first thing I, I remember, but I, I just know him always being in the studio, always working on like, like uh, just different albums and stuff, you know. Yeah, and I'll always just be there. I just like he'll tell you, like, <clears throat> I'll just follow him around the house all the time. Yeah, what are you doing? Right, right. standing right there. Yeah. Hey, what <laughs> you doing? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just there, so like, you know. It, yeah, I mean, it was even like looking back at the at the club, and I remember even when me and this was a couple of years after Ninny Factory closed, Dame Funk and I went to go see De La Soul in like the Nokia Theater. This is a mad years ago too, right, right. but you guys were at the you guys were hanging out at that show as oh, well, yeah. and uh, I remember that? Yeah, it was just for bumping into right, someone right. at a club type thing. But even at the Ninny Factory, I mean, you would roll, and I just yeah, I always thought that was cool, just to you know. You know, you're just hanging with pops at his work, basically. Yeah. You know, yeah, because it's like you know, I, I I looked up to him, and it was like I want to do that. You know, what yeah, I'm saying? no, he's a pretty as, cool dad. Yeah, yeah. As, as much as you why, said, why? Thank you. <laughs> as much as you said, AP, you sure you want to do this? You sure you want to get into the music industry? Just, you know, it's, it's kind of like yeah. But you were like pretty encouraging too. I mean, because you guys did some gigs, and you even did. You have an album. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I was in- encouraging it. But to a certain extent, like, see, for me, when I was in Stetsasonic, I went to college, you know, I graduated, and I was in Stetsasonic at the same time, and I was thinking, you know, that if one didn't work out, the other would. And more so, I was thinking more whatever I went to school for, which was business management and audio engineering, would be what I was going to end up doing anyway. So, you know, my son thought just the opposite. Like, the music's work out, and the second thing is, yeah, the... Going to college is just, you know, just going to do that to shut everybody up. You know so I think just our way of thinking was just different. I'm like, what? You got to really think of things that's a little more solid, blah, blah, blah. And, Classic. Yeah. 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 And, and, yeah. And that's coming from me, you know, and he's like defies that. Your dad, I'm going to the moon now. We're touring me and Lil Uzi. And I'm like, what? I've never been to the moon. <laughs> you got a gig on the moon? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I got it. Get size for my helmet. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's like, that's hilarious. He, t- he took it to a place that I'm like, whoa, okay. I, I, I you know, I bow down, you know? What I'm yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's like a good, it's an interesting, like, kind of study on the two generations, too, in hip hop, too, because I think this is like a thing that's very evident now. Like, and you have some artists that maybe are more vocal, like in social media, they're taking like pot shots at each other right, and shit right. just to like antagonize one another. But to see, like, you know, you you have such a, you know, storied history and, and you're still evolving and producing as an artist today. And then, and you're in the midst of, like, this kind of, the new sort of um, chapter in it, too. So it's a cool thing where you both do it with, you know, 
a certain level of like you know you're pretty like level-headed people and stuff you know which is the right way to do it too because it's about at the end of the day it's like you want to if you're in it, you want to be doing it for a career, too. I mean, you need to have some sort of, like, you know, longevity. Yeah. It's not some bullshit, like, yeah. you know. Because there's a lot of... In both in both um, generations, there are a lot of people that are just try to flip a quick buck on it. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that's true. But it, it maybe it was a little more challenging back then. But any <laughs> asshole could have made a 12-inch back in the day. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and there are a lot of whack records. Yeah. <laughs> as well as there's, anybody can get on SoundCloud and put a whack song up. And, like, it's just a interesting kind of way to look at it that so, while things seem like they've changed a little bit they're kind of nothing's really new you know right. under the sun in that mm-hmm. game that's true um i think it's just a little bit harder now because there's so many people doing it you know what i'm saying and, big time and a lot of people doing it at a high at a high level you know what I'm saying? Not yeah. saying that they, they didn't uh, do it back then. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not saying they didn't do it like that back then. But I'm saying there's so many different platforms that you could that you could right. that you could put your stuff out now that it's like it's like man, like what do I have to do to be like up here with it? You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So. Yeah, I mean Prince Paul's kind of you can you kind of come out of the major label gauntlet too, and right. and, and the record the the record label kind of world where it's like you know where i think for artists that are coming up under you under you now is um you know you don't you don't need labels are becoming kind of like arbitrary you know or or almost like insignificant to a certain degree but yeah it's um people can still make a great deal of money without a record label clearly i mean you see a lot of like dudes yeah. I'm saying no, no, he's not. I'm about to say him before then. Oh yeah, 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 crazy. Yeah. Oh, like Chance the Rapper. Like Chance the Rapper is a great example yeah. of that. But he, then you take Chance the Rapper. He has got to have a pretty thorough <laughs> squad of yeah. people around him and a real infrastructure that is reminiscent of a label. That's true. Yeah. I agree. I he's agree. got to have. You know, he obviously has like a high power <laughs> publicist, a real, real management, right. tour managers, like legitimate people, because that guy is now on some like. Bono level right. celebrity type shit, yeah. which is dope, you know. But I don't want to get too far on a tangent. But I, I am curious how you and, and Lil Uzi connected too, because he's a Philly guy, right? If I'm not mistaken, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, he's from Philly. Um, Did he just was like, I heard that you're a dope DJ. I need a good DJ. Uh, actually, he um, <laughs> what what was going on is that during like um his first single, uh, which was Money Longer, right. came out probably like last year sometime. Um, he was like start traveling a bit more, so he was doing shows and stuff before that. But his DJ used to be Don Cannon. Oh, Cannon, okay. Right, Cannon has a bunch of his own things going on, so yeah, for sure. Um, he couldn't really travel him like that, so they uh they were looking for a DJ. So in Atlanta, I'm like kind of relevant, you know, like I DJ all the clubs and the radio right. and stuff like that. So nah, he's the man. That's all humble. Social media, you don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm keeping that. I keep it juiced, but um, hmm. so you know what happened was like um, uh, they called me in. They was like, "Yo, we need a, a DJ for Uzi." So. It was kind of like it was me and a few other DJs, and I guess I was going through like a little like a a tryout, as you just said. Right. You know what I'm saying? Which I was like, you know, I try it. I'm nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, 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 you know, what that what that's going through is like, you know, we um, you know, we did it. I, I did it. I was like, and as soon as I did the try, it was like, Cannon was like, yo, you stop. 
He was like, yo, you going free, free on Friday? Fly out to L.A. You got a passport? Nice. I said, oh, okay, cool. And then, you know, I kind of like just rolled it out and see where it went. And, and I'm here now. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Because he's, I mean, obviously he's a busy dude too. So you're, you're, it's weekends for you guys or is it, you're just like, is it? Oh, it's, it's all over the place, right? Yeah, it's all over the place. Like, um, like for the, about the past year, I've been traveling almost every month. You nice. know, like almost every week after right. that. So then like we had like a month off in February. Um, then we went overseas. But prior, prior to that, we did like a bunch of spot dates like all month. Right. So we had a, um, I did his first tour, which was um, last year, last June. Like first headline tour or something? Yeah, no. Um, yep, yeah, it was the first headline tour. Um, nice. And then we just did a bunch of spot dates after that. And then we went on tour with The weekend in... March, March. That? that was cool. That was overseas. Very nice. So yeah. that that tour was just totally something new to me. Totally different. That's like a twenty thousand, thirty thousand people tour, like arenas. Do you get a little time just for yourself? Oh like yeah, on stage? yeah, yeah. So like, Do you open to or yeah. So before every set that he does, I usually have like a five to ten minute set. Dope. So it's me talking to the crowd, me introducing myself, me playing a few songs to get them, you know, into. Right. The, What's about to go yeah, on? Packing them up a little bit, right? You know what I'm saying? So, right. you know, doing that um, for thirty thousand people is different for me. You know what I'm saying? That's a weekend crowd, and yeah. it's like, yeah. <laughs> so you know, that was uh, that was that was pretty intense. You know, and then we're still traveling stuff right now. He's recording this album, so we kind of like, you know, chilling out for right now. Sure, sure, sure. You know, it's um. Yeah, wow, that's what's up, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I dig so it. Proud of him, <laughs> yeah, I love it. You take it to the level. I'm like, whoa, what is that like? Now I'm asking him questions. <laughs> I'd be cool with five percent of that amount of people <laughs> at any given gig. You know, uh, but but Stet did some. You guys did some pretty. You did like the Fresh Fest too. Right? Oh yeah, like we, we, you did the yeah yeah some of the big tours of the pivotal tours of the of the uh, Public Enemy run, right? Yeah, we did the Def Jam tours with LL right. Cool J and. Houdini and Jazz Jeff Fresh Prince and like I said Public Enemy and all of them and yeah those were huge because that was like when I was playing like Madison Square Garden and same thing like with, with, with how P was explaining like I would just look I'm like oh, whoa <laughs> you know you're looking around this is like just lines of people I'm like yo this is crazy <laughs> oh wow it's just, it's just it's just a weird feeling and but I've had those here and there and even you know in Latter times with Handsome Boy, we did a few big events, right? But not compared to what he does. Like I've gone to a few of his gigs, you know, to see Lil Uzi and him and perform, and I'm just like, yo, I'm looking at all the kids. One, I, you know, I don't know half the music. Everybody's dabbing, you know, everybody's dabbing like nonstop and just random like little, you know, skinny jean kids. So I'm real out of out of place, but I'm just more like, yo. Just look at the amount of kids and everybody who's into it. They know all the words to the songs. Yeah, bugging, and, right? I mean, yeah. it's like high energy the whole yeah. time, right? It's a serious movement. And so even though, like I said, yeah, I'm not into it like that, the crowd gets me into it like that. Not enough for me to go home and listen to it. Right. But, <laughs> but but to be in that moment right. and go, yo, and to kind of bounce to it. <laughs> I, I've yet to go out and dab, which I doubt I'd ever do. But <laughs> sure, I do get right. into the whole, like, yo, this is all right. Like, I, I'm... <laughs> Like I said, and all I can say is I'm, I'm proud of what he does, man. You yeah, know? me too. I think it's dope, man. You can't front on the energy, too. It's right. not like... I know I've, I've seen... I've never had the uh, privilege of seeing you guys do a show yet, but I've definitely seen videos of Dude, and I know that he, he gets into it. I oh, mean, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he has a great show. It's very... Um, 
high energy and tense, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And stage diving and you know, you talk to the crowd, so you know it's right. It's an entertaining show. Yeah. He's cool. He's yeah. cool to work with too. Yeah, oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta invite him to the next one when oh, they Oh yeah, yeah. Actually we have yeah. a show in New York like next month, so Oh that's what's yeah. up. Yeah, I would yeah, love man. this. I'd love yeah, to see you gotta, it. gotta get him there, man. Yeah. <laughs> get right there, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. I wanna see. I wanna see what it is, man. Yeah. Yeah, because the stage shows of the of the new dudes that are running shit are like you know it's just so advanced too right. it's so intense um, yeah it's interesting and yeah. plus now we have like you know we have a bigger budget so we have like um, you know cryo and oh. screens and you know it's this it's, it's, progressively it gets better better show because you know we're able to add a lot of different elements to the show so right. it's, it's, it's cool yeah as it gets a little more successful you can invest in like right. yeah, a stronger right. um, stage show too right. yeah um well, I'd love to talk a little bit about um, our, our the record that we did too, yeah. um, because I think in a way it's a good tie-in because um, it's True Metal, which is a record that we did in 2005. It's not like just like kind of talking about a singular record because it's all the joints were all while they're tied together by a certain concept. I mean, right. they're all uh, from different periods of time in your life, many of which you might have been hanging out for too, because <laughs> because. Um, <laughs> If I remember, if I recall correctly, when we started talking about, which you know, obviously is, you know, fifteen plus years ago. That's crazy, right? Can you believe yeah. that? Yeah, because I moved wow. to New York in two thousand five. I really moved to New York because of this, because of that album. Because, really? Yeah, because it was a big enough opportunity that, like, I had my label going on for a little while right. ahead of that. It was Female Fun Records. Was it? I did a couple records with MF Doom, and I had a couple records with DJ Spinner, <laughs> and uh, I was like. Everyone was New York-based artists, right. and at the time, I had um, got this little P and D deal, if you will, with Studio Distribution, which is long gone, and left a lot of people hanging to dry. Yeah, I mean, heard. But, <laughs> but at the time, right. it was like, you know, uh, you were into the idea; they were into the idea. So I was like, this is a good opportunity to come to New York. I had lived in New York previous to that in the late '90s too. So. Um, so I wanted to be closer to that project, which, I mean, there's obviously other reasons, too. Right. But, but that was the first thing. I came well, to New York cool. in 2005. The record came out in, this, like, in the summer of 2005, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I wanted to kind of lead into talking about that. But I, I, I would be remiss to say that this, that instrumental wouldn't, probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't oh, for, for, psychoanalysis. for psychoanalysis, which I was a giant fan of when that first came out. <laughs> So, in a way, those two are, they have a lot of similarities. Yeah. Because they're, yeah. they're kind of piece, they're like a puzzle of like your, your, you know, different stabs at production and concept songs and comedy and stuff like that. Like, um, I'm trying to figure out what would be a good way to connect these two, but like some of the stuff from instrumental, like, um, I know was even from this era too, from the, yeah. from the, from the early and mid '90s too, um, like because I don't have a copy of the record in front of me that hasn't come out yet, uh, the new version. Um, but even like I think there is um, El El Cabong. Oh yeah, that's old. Uh, yeah, Prophet too. I think these are. Yeah, even it's it's a stick up is, is really old. I mean, a lot of those. You're right. Like it, the approach I think to that album is similar to Psychoanalysis, except that you you gave me a concept of saying. Yeah, just make an instrumental record. And I'm like, 
Schmelz records are boring. You know, every record. You know, no, no offense to my contemporaries who made those records during that time. And I was to, and, and the beat would just rock in the same loop, and it might go into like a hooky thing. I was like, I'm gonna at least gotta make like a concept around it and put a little like not rapping, but like some voices on it, and you know, just here Absolutely. and there, just to make it interesting because I, I get bored listening to it, and. I think that was like the main difference in making this in psychoanalysis. Now, if I was to make another record like psychoanalysis, or if I had to, you know, conceptualize it a little different, I would probably add the same, you know, usual suspects like New Kirk and Bemos and Guy Smiley yes. and all the <laughs> random people, you know. Because yeah, some of the the personnel on this is is very on psychoanalysis is is really is used again and instrumental. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. De- definitely. Like Bemos is on there. Um, P is on there. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, on which record? On instrumental? Nah, it, it, it's it's the um the little interludes I made, like the uh yeah. like the the Law and Order skits. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of the Law and Order is that old? Yeah. Yeah. Where I had him like, <laughs> yo, P will tell you, I had him downstairs like, yo, I need you to say these lines. It has to be convincing. Oh, I was like pulling teeth. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. It was over and over and over. <laughs> Yo, say it one more time, but say it like you mean it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, forgot what, I forgot what the lines were, but it was, it was like, yeah, my dad something, and he had a pair of Timberlands on. Oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah. yeah, yeah something. Uh, I get raw. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, I was yes. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that was you. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get raw. <laughs> well, I mean, he got it right. You know, yeah. it, it just it just took a minute. And you gotta say when you're working with your children too, it's a little different conversation and if I was working with somebody else like yo what are you stupid and, and then you're thinking of something like yo why the dishes and I'm just finish this person and do the dishes so it's it's, it's just a little weird different process but right. yeah the, uh, but getting back to what you're saying um, yeah, I say that was the main difference and, and, and yeah it was a lot of what I did as, as I approached psychoanalysis as I did with instrumental is you know there's a bunch of songs that I made that I know that would never in life get released <laughs> you know what I'm saying right. that I like that nobody else seems to like then since I kind of get to run things I'm, let me do make a record for me like that record essentially just like psychoanalysis I think similarities are made it was made for me yeah. like I didn't really think about anybody else or pleasing anybody else it was do I smile and laugh at the end of it do I think these are going to be huge records no do I think somebody's going to like it I don't know. <laughs> you know, well, 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 you know, Peter yell at me like you wasted my money. <laughs> my no, time. I, knew, I knew that if you just can steer the ship, then it's going to be perfect because I because it will be something that's so random and off the wall. Where it's like that journey is what's hilarious too, and and the fact that those two records is like. It enables you to use your ensemble like it's more like you're directing like a movie or something like that. Yeah, because you do have an ensemble of guys that that character actors, if you will, that you pick out and you know, especially with those skits, uh, um, the Law and Order related oh, skits, yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> which was dope. Because I remember even talking to you about that when I was still living in California at the time. Because you. Um, <laughs> You did it just different enough where we wouldn't get <laughs> we wouldn't get bodied by uh, NBC or whatever because uh, it wasn't a sample. You played it. Cling, cling. <laughs> yeah, I just added some yeah, long story. But yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna tell the process that I did. Right. But yeah, that that was uh, yeah. It's the same cast of characters and and, and another similarity between psychoanalysis and instrumental is I had no budget, so it's like <laughs> right. you, you know you just do it whatever resources you have. Sure. 
and those are friends who like come over and like, yeah, can you do this voice? Of course, he's not a, 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 a an artist. Artist is your random friend. So he's not gonna charge you. you right. Get him a sandwich or something. Thanks, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's 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 real simple. You know, and I think that's fun too because you you're making something out of nothing. You, you know, absolutely. Yeah, it's like an independent film or a short film or something like that where you can it gets there's a lot more character because it's not everyone got like you know a hundred thousand dollars to yeah. show up you know what I'm yeah saying? i can't like, get denzel on my record you know, <laughs> no. you, know, you know what i'm saying so it's like man i'm just looking around me hmm. you know the the, the 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 lawn uh the, the sprinkler guy comes by the house to fix the sprinkler hey come here man i like your voice you got a minute really and they just record them hey say this and and there's, there's a certain amount of um I don't know, satisfaction that you get when you listen back to that and go, see, he was just a sprinkler guy. <laughs> and I made him into this person. You know, it's it's fun. Yeah, that's hilarious. I don't know why I don't make more of these records. Like, I, 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 I could. I just, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, you're great at it. I, I, I guess it would be a little, they're probably not the easiest thing to make, too, because you kind of have to mine your own creativity in a different way. It's not like hip-hop in a traditional sense or uh, song production, you know. But I will say this, like, I listened to this on the train this morning, this record, which I fucking love, and um, I forgot how much I love this joint. Oh, Chris this Rock, shit is, the new. So, yeah. and that, you know what, like, I listened to that after, you know, I knew that we were going to see each other today, and I'd been kind of going back to old joints. This, in my opinion, is no different than psychoanalysis or instrumental, when you really start thinking about the, the sketches and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, in this one, you guys got a Grammy for this, yeah? Yeah, for three of them. That's um, amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah, what's weird, and, and me getting this gig with Chris Rock is based off of psychoanalysis. Is it? Yeah. Uh, it was, he's like, yo, I, because it, for some reason it was going around that Chris Paul made a comedy record. And I'm like, it's not comedy. It's just, <laughs> just me being me, you know, right. but whatever. And then I think he got a hold of it, and he was a fan in general because of. Uh, De La Soul, and he, and as he told me during that time, he's like, "Yo, my favorite record is Blue Mind State," and the irony of that is that was the record that divided me and De La. Right. So, you know, he's like, "I love that. It's the best record ever made." And yo, it's so funny. All the comedians like it. And when I started working with on Roll with the New, that's when I got to meet Dave Chappelle and and uh, a lot of the other Tracy Morgan. Tracy he's, he's Morgan on that was as there. Well. Um, yeah, I mean a lot of people on here and even oh yeah i think jim brewer's on jim brewer's on it man yeah yeah gotta remind me because there's a lot of people and and, yeah they all would go the comedians would go prince paul blue mind state blue mind state that's like the least funniest record i've ever made it has no embodies nothing of just like what there's certain things that are silly that 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 have my personality on it, but it was just. But yeah, really? compared to the first to to Three Behind and Dale Soul's Dead, I mean, Balloon Mindset is definitely a very different mood. It's a lot maybe moodier of an it. Album, it is, sure. and it's a comedian's favorite. So I guess it goes to show huh. that comedians, you know, how they say they they laugh to keep from crying. You know, what right. I'm saying like there's like that darker side, and they just kind of just play off of that, and maybe that's what it is. But it was very flattering. But yeah, psychoanalysis led to roll with the new, and I was supposed to only do. Um, he's like, yeah, man, produce a track or something on it. But then me and Chris got along so well, it turned out to be the whole album. That's so dope. And I know DreamWorks wasn't really happy about that because they want like the track masters or something. You know, they, it, it right. was like, you know, it's about names. It's not about right. like your your staffing and what works. It's right. like, why don't you get the track masters? And that was always they're hot. Yeah, right. and that was always the joke. Like anytime me and Chris would we'd work on Roll with the New and 
I'm like, uh, yeah, I'll try to get it. Yeah, you better get it because I get the track masters. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ain't track masters. I got them on the phone. <laughs> you know how Chris is. Track masters. Like, okay. So that was. I forgot about that. That was the ongoing. Some of the stuff too. I mean, he's not even on some of the some of the records on this album, like uh, press conference, which I feel like is just. Do you remember this one press conference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like. It's got to be. That's just you and the. I mean, it's basically you triggering these well timed samples, right? Yeah, that. Yeah, that's because we wanted to do something like. um, um, Was it? it was like Mr. Jaws was an, an idea of, of that type of record and, uh-huh. and Superfly. It was something Superfly. I can't remember where you just chop in like an interview with like popular songs. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And so he was, you know, yeah, I want to do something like that. I'm like, uh, okay, uh-huh. <laughs> we could do it. Trackmasters. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> so, 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 yeah, we, uh, yeah, we pieced that together. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it was funny. A- it's a genuinely like funny innocent kind of album in a way I mean there's some really poignant statements in there too but listening to it now I'm like I forgot how much it's just like super hilarious you know what I'm saying like, yeah, it, took, it took a lot of work man because it, like sure. it's it's first time working with him and then you know him not being a recording artist or like record I mean recording artist in, in terms of like a lyricist and doing music you know he doesn't get as much as yeah let's do this old, let's do this we go oh, we got all pieces pull your pieces together <laughs> It'd be so cheesy if we could just do it together or do whatever. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so you would have to, did you edit the stand-up bits too? Like the actual live uh, stand-up stuff, you had to kind of like clean up and. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we'd sit and and I'd sit with Chris and we'd find parts and go right. take this, take that. Okay, I don't want to cut there. Put the crowd here, and so yeah, that that would, that took a little little work too. I mean that that was the, the, so easy compared right. to everything else, man, because. Like I said, it's working with somebody new, and it's like I was really. This is your first record with him, yeah. Yeah, first yeah. record. Really learned how to work Pro Tools at the time properly. Oh wow, yeah, because this is '97 or late '90s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Pro Tools is still pretty new technology. Yeah, yeah it was new technology then. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, so that that was you know that was a work in progress. Too. He used to be, but he was like a club goer, like in the '80s too. I mean, he was in the Latin Quarter and in clubs like that, right? Would you ever? Did you see him? Back then, as like just a guy in, in his early days, because he's kind of famously like photographed in a lot of those like early hip hop yeah, parties yeah. and shit. He was around. Like I remember, you know, him around, um, and he might not remember this, but because um, Leor and Russell used to manage me. You mm-hmm. know, they they were my managers in in the early '90s, and I remember kind of seeing him around the offices, or you know, every once in a while. I'm like, oh, okay. Chris, that's when we had the Jerry Curl stuff. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, Chris Rock, all right, you know. Um, of course, he later on became Chris Rock. <laughs> you know, we can't walk the streets, right. you know. But yeah, it, it's 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 amazing. I don't think he, you know, he probably wouldn't have said nothing to me back then. You know, I was just a DJ, <laughs> right. DJ producer guy. But yeah, it worked out, man. Uh, yeah, Chris is a great guy, a, a really a really good guy. I think we became pretty good friends. Yeah, I mean, you go on do a couple other records, which is which is amazing. And that he would keep you kind of like in the loop with that too is is cool because it informs your own stuff too. I mean, they maybe inform each other in a way, you know, like because even his, you know, you kind of can hear his comedy and some bits of your own stuff too. Right? Yeah, yeah, it um, yeah, it, on instrumental, like I edited uh, uh, his voice at the end of the record. Right. And yeah, yeah, that, that, and that was an outtake 
from records we made. So it, it, so that you know, that's what I'm saying. Like it's making something from nothing. Like exactly. wow, okay, we never used this skit. Let me throw this on here. Um, and also working with Chris on this album um, helped me put together a Prince Among Thieves. Really? Yeah, because I had the concept for Prince Among Thieves when I was dealing with Russell Simmons. Um, I had my Doodoo Man label in the early 90s. Right, which and, was like, that was a subsidiary of Def Jam, you know? Yeah, that was R.A.L. Right, part right. R.A.L., Rest Associate Labels, and um, Russell wasn't really into it, so then when Tom Boy gave me the opportunity to I'd do a record with a budget, I was like, what? I'm going to finally do that record I want to do, and it was after making this album. So then I had a better idea of constructing you know, stories, right. and since, you know, he wrote comedy, and I'm listening to him, and I'm helping put stuff together, and he's constructing, like, comedic sketches, as opposed to me doing, like, little silly, you know, like, uh, little skits and stuff, it helped me mm, conceivably yeah. write a story, and, you know, and he gave me one of the <coughs> best pieces of advice, um, and when, before I wrote Prince Among Thieves, like, yeah, I got this concept, this is what I'm gonna do, he's like, I'll tell you one thing, if you write a script, come up with the ending first. Mm. And I was like, yeah. But I took it almost literal because I made the ending, the beginning, and the ending. <laughs> you know, But I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come up. So then you have something to write to. So then he said, so you just don't get lost. That's it, a great point. Yeah. yeah. So, and it makes I was like, complete sense. Yeah, and it, and it worked. And that's how I wrote that story. You know, And it was just silly, and I'd write it. I wrote it when I was on tour doing psychoanalysis overseas. I wrote it at the local uh, Amityville Library. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And uh, yeah, piece it together, and it was all due to this record. So each record kind of leads to something else, which is, you know, something I've learned. Yeah, you know, yeah, and apply sure. it. You know, I also love that Mario Joyner is on this. And when I was a oh, kid, yeah, Mario Joyner. was like, uh, he was heavy on MTV in the early yeah. years of like MTV yeah. having comedy. Like when I was just watching music videos, Mario Joyner was like a kind of like a mainstay. So the fact, and I know that they've been boys for a long time too, and like collaborators. So. It's a great like compilation of like amazing comedians, but I think it just yeah, it's such a great tie-in to what you've done when you're kind of doing your own thing as like a solo album type of thing. Yeah, I mean this was nice and to work with the comedians. I mean it was great. Right. I mean it, it's honestly after I worked this record, like I never wanted to work with rappers again. You know, I was like, man, <laughs> I can just make comedy records my entire life. It was so much fun because they were just so easy going. I go, hey, why don't you do this? Hey, okay. <laughs> Hey, do this. Yeah, all right. It was so easy. They went and they acted. They were smiling. We're laughing the whole time. I'm like, it was perfect, you know, in my eyes. You know, right. But I'd also love to know, I, I was trying to find this record back there. I could not find it, but Funk City, which is obviously. Oh, Newkirk. Yes. <laughs> uh, and there's a pretty hilarious skit on that, too. Did, I don't know if you recall it or not. It's like this sped up thing where he's talking about Prince Paul and De La Soul and like high school. Obviously, it's like Newkirk was probably very young when he made that record too, Funk City. Wow, yeah, because we're the same age, so right. he, so he, yeah, he was probably man, we make it nineteen ninety maybe. Yeah, so we was probably twenty something. So how did you? 22, he's been a part of like pretty much every record, almost every record you've done. He's kind of especially he's on instrumental a lot and psychoanalysis because he did. If I'm not mistaken, that's him on Booty Clap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you guys said I've known Newkirk. We like we went to school together. I've known him since I was fourteen. Nice. So you know, I was his DJ. He was my MC. He was D- MC Kid Wonder. I was huh. DJ Paul. We had his brother with Sugar Ray. We had Mike Tulux, who later on was on Doodoo Man, but the record never came out. Oh, he was in Resident. 
Well, he, he yeah. actually had him signed. It was Resident Alien and Mike Tullux. I still oh, got the Mike Tullux record. I mean, part of it. You know, that's a long drawing. Was he a rapper? Yeah, he was a, yeah. He was a rapper. Hmm. Good and really for for his day and age. You know, I don't know. Like me and Newkirk used to compare him. Like who's better, him or Rakim? You know, what really? I'm saying that's in our head. You know, being Long Island guys it was like. Yo, Mike's better than Rockin. You know, like we would say that oh, you know, Rockin might be better. You know, so it was that was always a debate between us. That's how good Mike was. That's amazing. Um, you guys grew up in Amityville, or where did you grow? Yeah, up? in Amityville. Yeah. Yep, and and so yeah, that's that's the link between me and Newkirk. It's like I, I've known him since then. I know, and later on, he started playing. Learned how to, taught himself to play keyboards. Right. I think our departure, uh, not departure, but I went more into hip hop. Hip hop when I you know got into Stet, he went got more into Prince. Yeah, right. <laughs> Funk City is heavy on the Prince exactly. influence for sure. That was our divide. Probably like we hung out a lot and met in ninth grade, and we probably divided tenth, eleventh grade a bit musically. We still worked together. He still was my MC. Just that you know he dressed a little different, <laughs> and I dressed in mock necks and leaves. <laughs> you know, say so. Right. But um, he yeah. did. Um, but you brought him in for um, talking all that jazz, right? I he br- did the vibe. The, the, the oh, the keyboards. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I you know I brought him in. I. I programmed beat. Uh, I always had to say that. Yes. And, like looped it up, and, and he did the. Uh, he played the keyboard. Yeah. Yes. Because I bring all my friends with me. You know, yeah. I'm. I'm. If you're a friend of mine, I'm. I'm a pretty loyal friend. Of course, he do something to me, and I, you know, we kind of part ways. But right. Um. Yeah. I, I took him everywhere. You know, uh, we were in the same band, and and he reminded me that he's like, yeah, I, I knew I helped him get his first record deal, and we, when going back to Funk City, but, but he reminded me. I came by his house and I said, "Yo, yo, uh, yo, Newkirk." I call him Wonder back then. Yo, Wonder. He, I was like, "Yo, give me a tape." And he told me, "I said, he told me, I said, yo, give me six months, I'll get you a record deal." <laughs> oh, that's cocky. I was like, "I said that." It was either six months or a year or three months, wow. some what, some increment. And he said, "I called him up one day. He's like, yo, I got you a meeting with Russell Simmons.' That's huge." <laughs> and then Russell signed him, and I was like, that's "I incredible. did that." And I was like, it happened that time? He's like, yeah, it happened within that time. I was like, I had to think about it. I was like, I did do that. Boy, was I cocky. <laughs> <laughs> but you hit that shot, though, somehow, right? Like, yeah. Because I mean, you, because you produced, you didn't produce the, that album. I mean, nah. self-produced, right? Yeah, I, I did one song, and it wasn't even a song. It was just kind of a bug out piece we right. did call Nasty Fat Nasty. Right. But, yeah, all that was Newkirk in that, Amazing. you know. And yeah, I was like, wow, I felt good about myself because I totally forgot about that. You know, it's funny. You remember all the bad stuff that happens with people, but when you do a whole lot of good things, you go, I did that. <laughs> you know, because you don't ego out off of it. You just go, whatever. But bad yeah. stuff, like why you slept with somebody's girl or something, you remember that. Yeah, that'll haunt you for a long time. <laughs> yeah, you slip yeah, up like that. Yeah, you remember all the bad oh, things. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. he's on a couple tracks on instrumental. I mean, the Boston Top, which is like the kind of dance hall joint. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. We it. always joked about that, man. Because he, when we, when we, was, actually, I brought him. See, they took my new Kirk. I got him to, I hired him to help me with the Chris Rock record. Like, oh, really? to play a lot of keys and stuff. Oh, dope. whenever there's a budget or even not a budget, anything, I, I'll bring New Kirk in. Like, I, that's my. The thing that we have, you right. know what I'm saying? Like he's he's my boy. You know? He's in Atlanta too now, right? Yeah, yeah. he he moved to uh, yeah, he moved in the outskirts actually. Right. So yeah, um, the Boston top, yeah, w- there was a spot when we was doing the Chris Rock record that had donuts, and for some reason there was a Boston cream donut, 
that almost had like a magic shell to it because the uh, the, the the glaze wouldn't adhere to the top of the donut. And if you like kind of nudge it slightly, it the top full whole top would come off and it would just be just the donut. And the glaze would kind of be like this over the donut. You know what I'm saying? You could just pull shell it off. of glaze. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> nice. So that was like the joke. Boston cream? Give it the Boston top. <laughs> yeah. And it's like a hard kind of raga dance hall type of song. And it's just about like a donut. Donut shell. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was this older white gentleman who uh, served him the donuts. And I remember that. He would he religiously get one uh, almost every session we had. So, uh, something he must have liked about the removable top of the, of the donut. You yeah, that's for <laughs> so, See, that's the kind of things we do. We just, aha, that's funny. Let's make a song, you know? Right. It's like, it's like um, Psychoanalysis' Beautiful Night. Like, they're singing that. It's so, oh, it's so wrong. Beautiful Night for date rape and all this stuff. Who was the guy that did the vocals on that? Um, it was Newkirk. It was remember the Black Flames, the group, the Black Flames. They were on. No, Def I don't Jam. think so. Okay, it was um, Don. Well, Don Juan who did some vocals um, on. Oh, they were actually singing. Yeah. Yes, the singing part. And, and Yaya, who's part of the Black Flames, and Newkirk was you know was producing, working with them during the time, and they were at the right place at the right time. I was like, yo, and, and they would they would sing that song, but in a different melody. I was like, yo. Can you guys sing that on my record? It's like, yeah, you really? You want to do that? And they just got together and harmonized it and just kind of adjusted it to fit the beat. And yeah, that was a that was a risque record, man. But I didn't care. I thought my, my career was over. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there's something to say, like when you kind of, you know, you just say fuck it and then you can kind of create some pretty like incredible shit oh, that man, way. This is intense, man. Yeah. I, I remember I did an interview for Option Magazine, man. That woman grilled me. You think it's okay to say for women and blah? I was like, it was just a joke. It wasn't yeah. serious. <laughs> no, but, you know, women, I was like, it was just a joke. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. I, I don't think that, you know, nor do I, 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 I hate white people, nor do I think about date rape, nor do I think about killing people. Like, it's right. just like, it's so far-fetched. And that's the reason why I made it, because I thought it was just so asinine. And then I put it under the, the idea of the guy needing psychotherapy, so that makes it even, it's, you know, yeah, it's sick. frames it a little bit. Yeah, it's right. not like I'm just like, yeah, wilding out. It's a story of Ill, mental illness. Right. But she didn't want to hear that. No, no. <laughs> How did the one on instrumental, the one with Steinsky, come about? Because that's oh, kind of a similar nice. kind of like, uh, you know, you have like these vocal kind of passages going back and forth with like him and a woman he's trying to approach right. at a bar or something like that. You know, it's it, this, this, times like this, when I make records like this, it makes me like myself a lot. Because it, cause I, I, it, it sounds egotistical, because, but it's just like, I put things together so haphazardly and then to hear the end result. Now, I'll give you this the story. The beat I initially made for Handsome Boy. Okay. Because it's flattery. Because it just had a Handsome Boy vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. And I played it for Dan and he was like, nah. he didn't like, I was like, don't like that. Yeah, like, so it was another song, as, as we discussed with instrumental, that was, a, you know, nobody else wanted. Right. But I still like it. So now I get to put it on my own record. So I had the beat. I had, I had a concept already built in. Um, me and Steinsky, especially back during that time, we were talking a lot and like, talking about music. And right. Steinsky's like mad cool. Um, I had a, another friend of mine uh, uh, named Maximina who played bass. Um, you know, and I, I always liked her voice. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to figure out how to put this together. So I told Steinsky, I was like, you know, can you do this record with me? And But it's you picking up a woman. Right. And... But, I, you know, of course, the beat's not there. I said, just give me lines. So he's in my studio, just 
hey, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just recording and recording and recording, just a bunch of them. And Max Mead, I didn't tell her what I was doing as far as the song. I didn't even tell her, I didn't tell her anything. I was like, I, was, I would ask her questions because all I wanted her to do was giggle. <laughs> so, right. so all the things she thought I was asking her, she thought was going to be on the actual record, but I just wanted to make her laugh. Uh-huh. So all I, all it's like, hey man, you know, it's, it's a nice dress you got on there. Where you going to the club? You going to the crack house? <laughs> you know, whatever. And I just record all her laughs, right. take them out, and her little replies here and there. You know, that's uh, that's dumb or that's whatever. Right. That's whack. And it, it just so happens it was responses to other stupid things I was saying. Right, right. And I pieced it to, I took all the key parts of Steinsky, his trying to hit off, you know, I guess get with the woman, put her giggles in, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's so, all, it was like piece by piece by piece by piece by piece until I made it a story. Yeah. You know, and that's why I said, you know, when I play it and I go back and I go, that's all right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how did you do that? It was something out of nothing. And, and they had no idea of what the song would be. Steinsky didn't even hear the music. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I mean that's so, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So when at the end of the day, you know, you play for them, they go, "That was that I did," yeah. <laughs> which even makes me more like, "Yeah, <laughs> it's like a joke to me." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, you didn't know it was gonna be a song. Right. Yeah, and uh, it came out pretty good. It came out great because the beat is is fantastic too. So to be able to do that's a lot of editing too on your behalf. I mean, I'm saying like that probably. You know, that's not a necessarily an easy thing to do. I mean, especially however long ago that was, because technology has obviously evolved yeah. tremendously since then, too. But yeah. uh, That was still Pro Tools. I was learning Pro Tools and, yeah. and chopping and stuff. But right. it's not, but it, I, I think the thing that people understand is not just editing the parts, it's how people react. Because it's got to yes. sound like they were together and reacted naturally. Absolutely. And that was the hard part. So even though they might say two things that might work, if, if it didn't feel like it belonged in the same conversation, I can't use it. So right. even in my head, I'm like, oh, I want to make it work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I got to find another part. So I'm grabbing pieces. Let me right. take this part, put it. Yeah, and, and that's, to me, that's fun. I loved. I did that with Daylight when we were doing uh, Three Feet High and Rising and stuff. It's just finding pieces and finding parts and finding the right people to make things work. I mean, Buddy's a good example of that. Um, the beginning of, of Buddy, that meeny, 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 meeny. Yeah. Meeny, say what? That was them just saying it outside of the booth. Like, it was Q-Tip and it was Dave, and they were just going, meeny, meeny, and then and Q-Tip would go, say what? And then, yo, do that on the record. Really? Yeah, I'm telling you, do it. And that was the top of the record, was just based on just, like, hearing things and Oh, that'd be funny. Just oh. overhearing them. They were just riffing on the yeah, studio. Just, right? Yeah, just like, you know, talking, you know, just like kind of bugging, just riffing. Right, right. You know, not even really paying attention to what each other was doing, just naturally reacting off the other person. Yeah, yeah. So I, I recorded it, and, you know, same thing with, yeah, Red Alert comes to you. Oh, Red Alert, come here. Yo, I'm doing this thing called um, De La Orgy. I need you to, you know what I'm saying, be the background and do. Yeah, how did you do the vocals for that? I mean, is it, that must, was it all in different places in time, too? Or did you do, I mean, a lot of it seemed like people were actually genuinely reacting oh, to no, each yeah. other. Oh, no, yeah. That, no, that was all together. But it was just organizing it. Because it was one of those days there was, like, a ton of people in the studio. Um, and I think the nice thing, having a ton of people in the studio, it, it's pre-success. So uh, nobody's like, yo, I got to be somewhere. My manager said I can't do this unless I sign. You know, everybody was just happy to be in the studio. Right. And I could easily go, I have a beat here. I want to make an orgy. <laughs> and people go, okay. You know what I'm There's no like, you know, oh, that's dumb. It's like, okay, yeah, everybody's just happy to be there. Okay, go into the booth, all thousand of you, <laughs> in this hot 
you know, sweaty small booth, and we're gonna do a fake orgy to this beat, and just react off each other, and wow. and that is how things was done, right? And that's why a lot of those records, some early records like Dale Records, can't be made again because it's not just the music, it's not just the rhymes, it's where you are mentally, where you're in your of life. Of course, you know yeah. what I'm saying, and. and and now I'm sure a lot of things. If I told those guys, I'm like, yeah, man, what you do? They're, like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I there's no way. This, I'd love to make another deal. I reckon we talked about it, you know, briefly here and there throughout, really? throughout those days. Um, but the thing that one thing that kind of prevents me from doing it is that I, you know, I know it won't be that easy. It won't be. You know what I'm saying? Of course, yeah. And. and and I'd want it to be fun, and I don't wouldn't want them to think about marketing or people liking it. Let's just make it for us. Right. But I, I don't, I don't, I can't conceive we see them going. That's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Let's I make mean, let's make a fast record. F them. Let's just do us. You know, because everybody, not them, but just people in general, are just concerned. Come on, we're in the like era. Like my picture. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> Friend me, please. Don't unfriend me. Why'd you unfriend me? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's so touchy. So I can't imagine not like, touchy. yeah, don't, yeah, people might not like you when you make this. What? <laughs> it took me a long time to get these likes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, I got all these likes. I don't want to get unliked. Right. And that's Paul. Like, I just don't care. And I like to make music like that. So that's right. probably, a, uh, you know, a gauge. And it, like I said, they're grown up. They're grown men, you know? And, yeah. I mean, and I mean, Maybe it's okay that you uh, you gave the world like these uh, the three I mean the you and that group have given the world these three like pretty amazing uh, like undeniable records and stuff. I mean, um, but thank you. I like yeah. to think they're cool. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're fun to make. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I have. I mean, I'm 37, so I have uh, really like very distinct memories for each of those first three Daylight records uh, because. I was, you know, I got them all when they came out because I have an older brother. He's eight years older than me, so I remember uh, Three Feet High and Rising was the first compact disc I owned. So oh, get out of here! That's crazy. Yeah, and he got it for me. I'm pretty sure for my birthday in '89. Wow, um, how cool is that? Yeah, he's mad cool. He put me onto a lot just growing up too. Um, and then I remember I got uh, my family's from Hungary, so when I was a kid, I would travel back to Budapest to visit my family with my mom. And I got De La Soul is Dead was the first record that I bought myself wow. with money. You know, that was 91 or something like that, right? Or something, 90, 91. Wow, who was that, man? Yeah, it was, the, it was the European pressing as I bought it in a record store out there and brought it back. I still own that copy, too. Wow. Um, and well, well, thank you. Thanks yeah. That. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I appreciate it. Yeah, because when you're that young, too, those skits and all that stuff, like, really, like, stoke your imagination a lot because you're... Watching a lot of cartoons, you're watching a lot of. I, was, I used to love Monty Python when I was oh, a little yeah, kid. Yeah, so Monty all those like great. just bugged out kind of things that you don't really understand when you're ten years old and shit, you know. <laughs> but you keep going back to it over the years, like, oh, okay, that's what he. That's what. Like, okay. Yeah. Now that I'm, you know, uh, as you get older and shit. So yeah, it's just uh, that's special yeah. though because I, I understand it is especially when you're. Like, for me, that was Paul and Funkadelic and listen to little things here and oh, there. Oh, for sure. There's so and many secrets in there. What? Yeah, and you listen to them, like, oh, and you, especially in your room, it's dark, or you just, you, you, you're focused, especially back then on music, because there's nothing else, really. You just, you just be locked in. Right. You know, so I, I, I know that feeling. Like, that's great, you know. Was it cool to work with Burning Royal? Because you guys did a, a whole album together, right? Or was that kind of a collaboration thing with the David Byrne thing? Yeah, um, no, they, yeah, me actually, Newkirk, who I brought in again. Yeah. Um, yeah, we produced the Bernie. Elephant? Yeah, uh, Baby Elephant. Ba- yes. 
Yeah, that that was a, a dream come true because, as you know, everybody knows um, George Clinton. You know, very few people, unless you're a Parliament of Delic fan, knows right. that Bernie Worrell yes. is the heart and soul of all that music. Because he, no question, you know, he arranged a lot of it. He, the, all the keyboards, flashlight is all keyboards. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, the bass line is keyboards and stuff, and it's just the melody of the song and a lot of the older stuff. You know. He, you talk to George, you know, um, he'd tell you that, you know, he would arrange the vocals um, by listening to Bernie play keys. And that's how I learned to layer wow. vocals. Right. It was based on Bernie's method of, of layering keys. He's like, yo, I could do the same thing with vocals. So Bernie was very instrumental in that. And then the cool thing was to work with him and to learn. Because my thing was, I'm not going to make much money with making this record. And, I, and only Lord knows if, how to sell. Right. But here's a man that, you know, an older gentleman, you know, you never know how long anybody's going to be here in general. But, right. you know, he's been around for a while. I better seize this opportunity and ask him a ton of questions and learn. And Was he open? Like, Oh, man, he was great. Man, he, he taught Newkirk a lot because Newkirk's cool. a keyboard player. Yeah. So he was able, yeah, he played that in a G sharp minor and blah, blah, blah. And Newkirk said, I didn't know he could put those together. Oh, yeah, and then he could blah, blah, blah. So it was... Which in turn helps me in the long run because I work with Newkirk. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but, but for me, it was like recording stuff. Like, how did you guys do the, the, the effects on this? Or how did this record do this? And it's so weird because, you know, as something as a kid, like I said, you listen to these records and you're locked in and you hear certain things. And I'm asking him, and it's like, it was so matter factual with him. Like, yeah, yeah we just uh, had it in the bathroom with the microphone. Like, what? That was it? <laughs> and it was like not a big deal. And I'm my whole life and even my in my adulthood and thinking of production oh man if I just put this through and I'm thinking of all this technical stuff and it's just always something just ah yeah man he just dropped a, a, a pie on the floor and it was in the background like that's a pie you know <laughs> it's just like just some absurd stuff and it was like no big deal to him but for me I'm like oh my god this, oh. so it, it unlocked yeah, it unlocked amazing. a lot of mysteries right because those Pond Funkadelic records are very mysterious like the oh yeah this, like you said there's so much layers and stories and, and things set underneath and it's just so much yeah you i know? mean they're their own kind of genre obviously yeah i mean p-funk i mean and funkadelic i mean and there's just like they're no different than like the grateful dead or the beatles where there's like this endless kind of cascade of stuff that you can get into yeah. you know like, yeah where there's this yeah and their influence I mean, there wouldn't. I mean, obviously. I mean, this kind of like goes without saying, but I mean, three feet high and rising would just wouldn't exist without. Oh like, yeah, yeah, easily. That that was. I was heavily influenced. Like, right. you know. Did you ever see them play in concert back in the day? No, and, and I'll tell. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a quick story. My mom. I remember it's nineteen seventy eight. They were bringing uh, the mothership to the Madison Square Garden. She wanted to take me for uh -huh. my birthday. I don't know what happened, but we didn't wind up going. And I was oh, so dang. freaking mad and hurt. Went, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I seen the write-up in the paper. I still, I cut the write-up um, write from the paper, and I still have it to this day. I was cleaning it up, wow. and I found it. The cutout, and it was just me like, I should have been there. I should have been there. <laughs> it's all yellowed out and right. stuff. But that's that's how big a fan I was. Anything I'd see, I would get. And right. I, I never caught I didn't catch a show until probably like, the 80s oh wow you know what I'm saying and, and, and it wasn't the same it wasn't like yeah, bringing down the mothership you know what I'm saying right. and uh, so 
Yeah, I missed that. Chris Rock reacted, but I was like, oh, I was there. I was like, I was supposed to be there. He's like, oh, he brought down the mothership and then blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh. Oh, it's all about the mothership, man. What? Um, another one, uh, one more thing I want to talk about about instrumental before we kind of wrap up, too, is just uh, even back when we put the record out originally, there was this kind of anomaly song in it, um, Live at Five. Oh, where yeah. you where you kind of you're playing oh, all yeah, the instruments, thing. you know? Um, was that? I just love to know the process of that because I forget totally forgot in the moment like what how you did that because you did you do it at home? It's just like you know, at a home setup or what? Yeah, I, I did it at home. I, I bought my man. It was that long ago. My son asked me for a drum set. Okay, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I want drum set. I want drum set." I'm like, oh, all right, you know, I get drum set. Well, I'll end up downstairs in in in, in my studio, like kind of adjacent to the studio. Um, and you know, I have all these percussive instruments. I got a bass guitar. I got a regular, like electric guitar, and and here and there, a lot of my records, I play a lot of stuff. But like yeah. little melodies and stuff, I, I can I can get what I need out of it. You know what I'm saying? You're self-taught, pretty much. Yeah, 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 very weak at it, but I I can get what I want. And right. thank God for the process of technology. I can manipulate it and make it sound like I can do certain things. So. Um, with that, I was like, you know what? I want to play something from top to bottom, everything. And let me see how that how that goes. I heard this melody on a TV show. That so I was like, I can adjust that. Let me play it. You know how I want to play it, and played the bass. No, first I played the drums. Then I added some percussion over the drums. The drums was real sloppy, nasty. Right. I, had to, I had to like kind of fix them. I didn't have the it mic'd up properly. I didn't have proper mics for the drums. I'm just trying to remember it's stuff. Pretty I, DIY. I don't do. You got to go back and listen to this thing. <laughs> yeah, you know. But I, it's dope though. It's raw. It, yeah, it's, it's very raw. And I'm trying to remember what I seen. Remembered in school when I learned miking up drums and what I seen in the studio. I didn't want to ask anybody. I don't want to be embarrassed. And plugged the bass. Plugged the regular guitar. <laughs> played the keys. Keys. Some of the keys are off. I'm like uh, whatever. But when I was done, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you every instrument. <laughs> that alone is a feat in itself. You know? <laughs> that, that was my, 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 you know, feeble attempt at like, yo, I'm going to play this all. This is like Prince Paul Unplugged. I'm going <laughs> to play everything live just to see if I could do it. And it, it's like, it's a little disjointed, but it, it has a, it has a, a soul to it. At yeah, least, there's you some know. charm yeah. involved there. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you, um, have you been doing any production stuff at all? You mess um, with it? Yeah, you know, I, I produce a lot. Uh, oh, you I do? Kinda, yeah, I kind of slowed down since I started traveling, like a lot. But um, every now and then when I do have the time to go into the studio and work with, right. you know, on some stuff I do, I, I work with somebody else in the studio. Do you work from, do you have like a, a setup at home as well? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have a um, small keyboard and a few programs that I use and that I'm learning to use now. You know right, right. So, but yeah. Do you have, like, um, are there dudes down there that you uh, have been recording with? Like, do you have vocalists, like, um, um, on deck? Yeah, it, 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 especially in Atlanta. Because Atlanta is, like, you know, like, it's, come, it's becoming the kind of, like, a music capital for, like, oh, rap, absolutely. For like rap artists and just the, anything in general, but like just music-wise. So, um, yeah, you know, I could almost call anybody to get a verse out of them, you know what I'm saying? It, whether that's pretty, whether they're pretty known or, you know, they're, they're coming up. Yeah, there's a lot of levels to do that. Do it! Yeah, it's a front D for real. <laughs> it's just, um, 
you know everything everything everything's pretty political now so it's it seems like yeah i mean i don't know i don't know all the innuendo going on there but there's i i got dudes i like i like um father i think he's dope oh yeah father's uh, cool and yeah. their whole that that's like seems like its own movement terrible yeah yeah, yeah. record or awful i'm sorry right right <clears throat> um yeah they kind of have their own like lane and stuff too yeah yeah they definitely do it's kind of like that um kind of like that uh that offbeat but like <laughs> I don't know it's hard to describe but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's cool it's kind of yeah, got a unique kind of flavor to it for yeah, sure yeah yeah, yeah 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 I'd love to see because I mean just uh, I mean yeah I mean it all starts with DJing in a lot of ways as far as production goes so it'll be interesting to see yeah what uh, what you have going on yeah like, actually is there a I, way to hear any of your stuff yeah I actually put a I, I put a, a, a full blown mixtape out which oh really like, this is like 2000. 12 maybe maybe like two years oh okay oh, I've been sleeping yeah yeah no I um I put it out and the reason why I didn't really push it how I wanted to push it because one of the people on the album got killed oh, so man. yeah so sorry. yeah it's what it is oh, he was but, nice too. Yeah, he, really? like, like really yeah. nice yeah. like to the point that I wanted to get involved. I was like, yo, when you guys finish, yo, I want to blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it was, it was that. It was that good. He was yeah. in Atlanta. He was in Atlanta. No, this is in New York. Oh, really? Yeah, so I came over from the summertime and I actually like finished the entire project and I put it out. It was called Castaway. Mm. And um, it actually did pretty good. Like, you know, I put it on a few different, like, I didn't put it on like that Piff or like. Um, it's still and, out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you yeah. can still go to that Piff and find it? Yeah, it's nice. still out there. And it was, um, it's actually, I, I liked it. It was, it was, well put together and then I mixed it down it took like the entire summer of me in college so well, that's like two and a half months right. I worked on it every day and nice. I was in the studio and I had um, my homeboys uh, his name was he goes by T. Harris now he goes by Talon Harris and this kid named Jimmy Hayes and the one that was killed his name was um, Young Mel mm. and um, yeah we did the entire project it's all produced by me I have like a few like um you know, very sample based. You know, it was it was cool, but um, and after that, after he got killed, it kind of like kind of threw me off. I, I was still sure, produ- I was still producing stuff, but he was I was kind of like focused on on that. And after that, it's kind of like threw me off. So I, I started focusing on DJing pretty hardcore, but right. you know, I still produced and I still I still produce now. Um, I just my my mindset is kind of like a little like you know DJ right now, and then I produce. Right, side. right. Well, it sounds like I mean when you got a a good gig as a DJ, yeah. like you should just focus on that and run with it right, and, right. and just be the absolute best you can because those are great. You know, a DJ that's around for a long time has many. You know, you obviously have lots of chapters to your career. Right, you know, right. like I mean, look at at Paul Senior. I mean, like there's mad like <laughs> levels to like your yeah, <laughs> which is really which is really amazing. It makes for a great like life's work too mm-hmm. you know when you look back and like so yeah um i mean that was a bit of a tangent but it's just yeah. that, like yeah you got yeah just kill those shits especially when you have that many people engaged oh yeah, yeah. you know in a club or a stadium level and shit too yeah that's kind of my monster you know just yeah for sure i'm trying to build my fan base up based off of, which is which i'm doing you know i'm getting the people that uh to really rock with me, the people that really like me, you know what I'm saying. So when I do go ahead and put another project, I was like, oh, okay, let me check this out. It's a whole lot easier, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, people be more accepting to it than uh, yeah, you know, if I the, the way I did back in 2012, but you know, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you're in front of a, a new audience, you right. know, with new channels and stuff. You, do you have like a little? Do you have like? 
people around you helping you too? Like you have a uh, yeah. like management and an um, agent and all that stuff like that. Or? Really, I kind of run solo. You know, what I'm nice. saying like that's good. I, yeah, like I, you know, people come to me and then I actually um that's how I do my bookings. Like everything's direct, and then I have people to like help me with them a lot, a lot right. of things. You know what I'm saying? So I might put a like a person or two um, to like you know book stuff that I can't really book. Sure, you know what I'm saying so. Um, but besides that, you know, I'm, I'm like a one-man one um, band, you know, for nice. the most part. Yeah. yeah. I can dig it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. P for real. And you guys did it. You have an album, to collaborative album. Oh, yeah. Negroes on Ice. Negroes yeah. on Ice, which, yeah. I, which for a while, I think you and I even tried to, we did some gigs, I think. Or we, there was a, I remember in around 2010, 11, right, they were right. like pitching it, mm-hmm. yeah, trying yeah, to pitch yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think we ended up doing more solo stuff. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what, what was, really quickly, what was that album? Oh, wow. How would you describe it? I, I would subscribe, uh, describe it as uh, me and him, uh, a day in the life of me and, and, and P for real. Yes, is that accurate? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all, right. the, all the stupid stuff we talk about daily and then we put it into the album. I haven't heard it. I haven't heard it yet. So I'm, what? I, I know it's not on the heart. It's, it's bizarre. <laughs> you, you know, it, it's... It's either you like it or you despise it with every bone in your body. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's <laughs> no middle ground. Hell yeah! You're not gonna be like it's all right. You're gonna be like, oh, that's horrible. You're gonna be like, oh my god, this was like the, the illest thing I've ever heard because it's just it's so out there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just out there. Nice. I kind of wish we could we should kind of redo it because I can see all the holes and all the things that we could do better. You know, and 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 those and this was one thing because this was P's story. Like it, it, he, I, we kind of got the idea from him doing these stories on MySpace at the time. Shows how old it is, right? Right, right. right. Uh, and we just kind of put these stories in, into like a, a record form. And so what? It came from like sketches or something that you would come up with, or <laughs> uh, ideas? Yeah. yeah. You still have those? I do. Yeah. They're videos <laughs> that you shot? Nah, it was like. So basically, on MySpace, how I used to work is like people used to put their own songs on MySpace, right? right? So create your own page, right? But nobody was like putting their own voice as like on on, on their pages, like the right? Tracks, right, right. So right. what I would do is that I would I would say stupid things on MySpace and put it out there for like, yo, you funny. So I start telling these stories on MySpace, and it used to get like all this response. <laughs> wow. So, so so it was just like um, people liked it and. and a lot of, like a lot of kids I went to school was like, yo, we need to put another story out. You know what I'm saying? Like when you put wow, another, when you dope. when you put another another story on MySpace, right. it was just like dumb stuff. Like right. I like Yo-dum. yeah, like me walking <laughs> like I'm walking down the street and I see somebody, I slap him in the face and I start running, and I trip and now he punched me and I'm now now stabbed him. It's like it was dumb stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was just like the stuff that was just totally uh, uh, out of pocket, but it, <laughs> right. it it was entertaining. You know, what I'm and that became the album. Yeah. That became the album, and, wow. and I'm thinking it's somewhat in the long form. It's probably it's not as charming as it is in short form. <laughs> but uh, and and we also didn't follow the uh, make the ending first because yeah. we just kind of got to the point like, what do we do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna wrap this. Up. <laughs> <laughs> wrap <it> up. <laughs> uh, you know, so yeah, wow. there's a lot of holes in it, but. It was a fun project for me and him to do together. Right. Of course, you know what I'm yeah. and we looked back on it. We you know got a chance to perform it a little bit, and it, it oh, was, so it you were doing it on a live setting as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, we did like a like a like a um like a what, what do you call it like a one man show? Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, you know, it would be him, and I would squirt in the background with. Then I ran. <laughs> and then, then a boom! We had all the sound effects. And oh, to, wow. To, to yeah, compliment his story. Was, that's a trip. It was intense. <laughs> that was intense. That's <laughs> funny. That's good. Hey, I mean, yeah, it's a moment in time, right? You guys did that. That's cool. Um, I did want to ask you one more kind of like hip hop factoid thing, just because I, of a production thing that you did back in the day. So, uh, this for Buggy Down Productions. So I always go back to Sex and Violence. It's probably one of my favorite records they did. Wow. Which is not usually the one that is kind of on the bottom. Of yeah, the people list. like, that's what I said, wow. Because uh, you did the title track and um, two other joints. But if you go back to this record, they're the hardest. I mean, there's a couple other kind of hard-hitting songs, but they're like KRS-One at his like, most aggressive, like in-your-face type shit. Um, I started listening to those songs. As soon as, soon as the album came out, you're just done with it? I was done with it. it, it, it oh. Was it that the production, the experience in the studio turned you off or something? Or you just didn't like the, the way the songs came out? Because they still sound great to me, personally. Oh, no. I, I love Karis One. And working with him is, was a great experience. Like, you know, just watch him work. And he had books and books of rhymes. It's just that on the production end of it, I um we, we ended one of the studio sessions. I was like, all right, man. So, you know, let's come back Tuesday and let's finish it. But I never finished it. Like he took and took the tracks and finished them himself. Really? So okay. it was it was never to like how I heard the song. So it's wow. like it's my music, but it's technically his production. Interesting. You, you know what I'm saying? So meaning he like he mixed it. He and mixed it. He arranged it. He put you know. Oh, and yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of ways I wouldn't have put the loops and all that. And and I, I did tell him about it. Like you know like. And he apologized in, in some weird weird way. You know what I'm saying? Like I saw him one day. Like years later, it was in California, and now mind you, I was looking for him, and I, I seen him. He's like, "Yo," he's like, oh, and, "and and I don't know if these were the exact words, but it was more like, yo, I apologize.'" And I'm like, "For what? You know what? <laughs> you know how Karis wow. talks. Right. You know what?" So I'm guessing that's the only thing I could think of that he would... Oh, he didn't elaborate beyond that. Interesting. No, no. There's a certain hip-hop pride. Right. Yeah, I'm not going to specifically say what they're sorry about. Yeah. You know, and I don't think you, think you said you're sorry. I think you said he apologized. Just right, to, right. You know. So, so okay. you know, that, was, that made me feel a lot better because he realized that it was something that bothered me without yeah. even me being able to verbalize that to him because I was having able to find him out there like I was looking for him not, that's not hilarious to, not to man. fight him because yeah, I can't beat up Karis Wood you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, but at least I have a conversation like yo how come you let me finish the song like what happened right Um. yeah and like so when I listened to those songs I listened to it when it was on the album I probably listened to it once or twice and after that I was like I couldn't listen to it again because it's not my song. So it was song. all three. Like, there was Drug Dealer was one track. which was great. These are great songs, yeah, you know. Yeah, those, uh, those weren't my... It's it, interesting. I wouldn't have... I, I had a different idea. Like, I have a... Is a, that the only time that's happened to you? Like, I, I don't... Oh, that's the only time. Yeah, because it's like, why would you want to... It's Prince Paul. Like, you know, why would you need it was, to it was, fiddle it with done. this shit? Right. Yeah, you know. But I have a mix of Drug Dealer on... Man, on my SoundCloud. That oh, I haven't nice. been at in a long time. But... It, it was kind of how I wanted it arranged. It was right after that one session we did. And, you know, you make a quick tape so you can bring sure. it home. So I have that on my SoundCloud as as an original mix of how the song would have been constructed. Right. You know. Um, Very interesting. Yeah, so that, that gives you an example. But, yeah, so 
to answer, yeah, so I don't know what the production question is, but I, I know listening to that record, I'm just like, Ugh. Well, now you've answered it, because I wanted to kind of get like a sense of the process, but it sounds like you got to a certain point, and then that was the end of the process. Yeah, that was it, man. It was, it was, I, I was hurt, man. It's like, you know, you, you'd start cooking, like, I don't know, some lasagna, and all you did was get the sauce and the noodles. And somebody just, uh, somebody adds, like, like sardines or something. I would never put that in there. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's like part of a lasagna recipe, you know? <laughs> and, and so that's how I felt about it. It was just like, whoa, that's, I didn't hear it like that. Right. And so, it, you know, I cringed, and I just let it go. Mm, I like the other songs too. on the album. I like, like A Throttle and all those other yeah. records. Um, yeah, 13 and Good. Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a I could listen to all those other songs, and I know the words and everything. But to the records I made, I don't know the words, and I don't listen to it. I can't listen to it. Yeah, I understand. No. Yeah, yeah. Like I, so I don't know. Me listen to now, be like listen to it like freshly again. You know, yeah, like, interesting. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's a trip, man. Yeah, out of all the stuff too. Well, not that I necessarily want to close on that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I, but can, I, I like to say just in, in closing that yeah. uh, I, I like to say Karis one got my respect after you know there's nothing bad I could say because he, he came to me and was like you know you know what right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying like I apologize I'm like wow wow because it, 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 it actually he actually put some thought and care right. that how it affected me maybe as time went on he got a little older and thought about you know that that wasn't cool so that that was nice and, and that I was like, oh, he's all right, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can dig that. I mean, yeah, at that time, it was a different era, too, and he was, like, the man, and maybe he just thought that that's what he could just do, you know? He's like, yeah, man, stay, yeah. I got this, man. Yeah. I'm the Blastmaster. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So I was like, you know, could say, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, again, first, I want to, one, thank you guys for doing this oh, and no, coming no, here. And it's been great seeing you, too, oh, Paul, because yeah, yeah. I haven't seen you in a while since the Knitting Factory days right. to yeah. your, your humble beginnings. History, man. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. Your integral that's, part. That's yeah, dope. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's a trip. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, the, that first gig was cool. I'm trying to even think how we came together because it was just like, hey, we got... You know, let's do this yeah, somehow. Um, I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I, I mean, vaguely, I remember you asking, like, "Yeah, you think Paul Jean would mind mixing?" Blah blah. You open up for Genius, like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, why not? I told him. He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> I remember the show well because it was. Um, it's coming back to me now because it was. He was doing Liquid Swords mm-hmm. in its entirety, and at the time, Angela Yee, the personality, Angela Yee, was his manager who I booked the wow. show. Wow. She was actually the person I booked. I negotiated the deal with. And I did two, I think I did two nights of it, too. And, um, yeah, I totally remember. It was just kind of like a, we just said, fuck it, let's try right, this let's thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. Like, I'm not going to lie, I was super nervous. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would be, too. I, 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 I was, like, how old was I, like, 15? You were a kid. Yeah. 15-year-old Paul was super nervous. I didn't know what to expect. You know, you definitely you know, didn't have the beard back then. No, no beard. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was different for me, but, you know, I pulled it off. It was cool. Yeah. It was, what's up? It yeah. was the experience I needed. It all started with you. <laughs> good, good looking out. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah right? thank you. And thank you guys for your time today, too, man. No, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yo, that was amazing. Yes, 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 yes. I want to send... Much thanks and a strong shout out to Prince Paul, DJP for real, for coming through. We did the house list in Brooklyn just for you, just in time for your 4th of uh, July holiday weekend. So if you're traveling, if you're driving or flying, please be safe. Don't drink and drive. 
don't um, blow your hand off. You know what I'm saying? And just just be cool and take some time and listen to this amazing podcast. Tell your friends. You're at, you're at your, your homie's barbecue or in some places in the country, they call them cookouts. Um, you know, say, hey, you know what? Check this out. Prince Paul's on the house list. Oh, and you like Sets of Sonic? Well, Bobby Simmons is on episode 28. And guess what? Not only can you listen to them on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher, but you can find them now all on YouTube. Just search houseless podcast no spaces y'all i'm only going to do this for a couple episodes hopefully because we got to get those subscribers up to 100 and i can finally get a url for this thing and boom there you go so i really appreciate your time as always every episode is edited and engineered by cj stewart much thanks to him and much thanks to you guys i'm gonna play a little clip of a snippet of indiscretion which just to give you a, a quick sneak preview of this song which is an exclusive to the vinyl and the tape of this new version of instrumental 2017 coming out please pre-order this now i can't um urge you more uh to to look into getting a pre-order it will be available where all finer uh lps are sold both online and brick and mortar stores of course as well as the great dj tour this september and into the fall with Prince Paul and supported this. But pre-order your record now at redlinemusicdistribution.bigcartel.com. The first uh, reissue of Instrumental since 2005 with new artwork, a new track, lots of surprises to come, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always. Have a great holiday weekend and have a great summer, y'all. Many, many great episodes to come. I'm going to California in a couple days, and I'm going to be recording a gang of episodes there. So thank you guys once again. Be safe. Have fun. All right. Enough talking. I'm out of here. Peace, y'all.